Hello. Hello. It's his space. It's my space. It's our space. It's third space. Do 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 do. Yeah. Welcome. Keep going. I want more. Uh, Give I, me the refrain. I don't know. I thought about this like three seconds before hitting record. So, refrain. I'll refrain from refrains at huh. the moment. This is a unique, uh, unique podcast because I can see you. I can see you too. This is strange. Yeah, eye contact's weird. We're we're doing a live podcast. Well, they're all well, live. <laughs> in the sense that you and I are in the same physical space. I would like to call it in person. Seems an like a better person. better than live. An in person podcast. Yeah, I'm in your living room. Or, visiting. Yeah, I'm visiting. Visiting me. And I find myself staring at the microphone as much as I'm staring at you. So if you think I'm not looking at your body, I'm just looking at the microphone. Okay, that's fine. I'm used to people looking at my body. So. <laughs> well, you think about like, conversations. You make eye contact, but you don't make eye contact the whole time. Yeah. So where do you look, and why do you look, and what directions, and how long do you hold eye contact? You want to be you polite, know, you know? I, I've, I've thought about this before, eye contact, because it can be really weird and very noticeable. But when I just naturally, when I'm not thinking about eye contact and I'm watching someone speak, I'm kind of like looking through their nose Hmm. Like I'm kind of looking through their face a little bit, but at their nose area so that my eyes can take in their whole facial expression. I don't know if pe- other people do that or not, but I'm kind of looking, I'm not looking, looking into at their the, face. Yeah, their I'm looking at their face. face. I'm not looking into their eyes. Sometimes you do, you know, if they're making a point or they're, you know, giving you a look. But if I'm just generally watching someone speak, then I'm looking like through their nose. <laughs> Which is a weird, weird phrase, but that's the way it is. Well, when you said that, I'm like thinking, do I do that? And then I don't, oddly enough, as much as I self-reflect, I don't know what I do. I, I mean, when I'm teaching, I make eye contact with lots of people so I can bounce around and I have a rhythm. Um, but when I'm having an individual conversation, I make eye contact, sure. But I realize it's like breathing. You know, you don't think about your breathing. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah. wait, is it two seconds about? And then you look at it, look away. You're or, now thinking about your tongue well, position. And you become, you become conscious of eye contact if you are in maybe a crowd or walking down a hallway and you, you make eye contact with someone and you weren't really intending for that to happen. And you can tell they weren't either. And then there's a eye oh, contact, look away. Or do we uh, each other? what do we do in this moment? And yeah, so uh, like it's a mysterious, it's, it's. I mean, the word contact suggests a physical... Like, uh-huh. do, are there other words about contact that aren't physical? Because like, it, it feels as powerful as something physical, almost. Yeah, sure. Oh, well, I mean, it's the, there's the distinct impression that someone's attention is on you. Like, you're being paid attention to when they're making eye contact with you. Um, and that means that what you do matters, in a sense, because someone else is going to notice it. Um, I like to play a game, not a game really, but just kind of run a perpetual experiment when I'm walking around the lake out there. We, get, we just got back from walking around the lake, but you pass people, you know, constantly walking around the lake and you look at them when you pass. And it's interesting to note the number of people who look at you and make eye contact mm-hmm. and what they do, or if they just, you know, keep their head down and continue walking. And, you know, part of what they do depends on whether I'm wearing, like, a bloody jumpsuit or not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but no, usually, like, I think a lot of that is culture dependent, you know? Because oh, definitely. sometimes people will be like, hey, how you doing? And, you know, they'll <laughs> Mighty give you a, fine weather we're having. Yeah, it's some hot. Sort of, <laughs> oh, it's hot Ooh, out. Yeah, it's, it's air you can wear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And then other times people will just keep their eyes down and walk on by and they won't make they won't look at you or anything. I used to think that was rude Me by too. the way. Yeah, uh, definitely. I've come to think of it as I actually still have that impulse. I mean, we were raised in the South and like we were I mean, when you're driving like yeah, in my neighborhood, yeah, you give a couple finger away from fingers. the steering wheel. Yeah. It's just what you do. Um, when I'm walking in my neighborhood, I wave fingers. at every car. Yeah. Every give them the fingers. Every driver you pass, give them the fingers. <laughs> just give them, yeah, the good old southern <laughs> fingers. But and this that sort of southern hospitality, even in I mean, just walking cashiers. past people, cashiers are going to say uh, greet you more often, and I think all of that is a good thing. But it shouldn't be a bad thing if you choose not to. So I have to kind of my impulse almost I've internalized that value and then I look for the eye contact when passing someone obviously if it's very crowded I'm not looking to greet every in a, in a subway or something or I don't know or in a crowded area but if there's it's a feel thing if there's one person on the aisle and we're both heading I mean if they're checking out the crackers in the aisle I'm not going to ask them to, or expect them to stop examining the items and then greet me but if we're just kind of meandering along I I realize I have an expectation for them to look, and when they don't, I used to think that's rude. And uh, but I don't know what race has to do with it, but let's try wait, to keep that uh, out of the podcast, please. Because of the, the item I chose, <laughs> I should have said gushers. I don't know. Whatever, whatever it is. Um, in the did you not hear stores. what I said? Let's please keep the race discussions out. Know. No discussions of gushers. Uh, what are gushers? It's a derogatory <laughs> term, I'm sure. Yeah, for people who cry a lot, it's it's, it's derogatory. <laughs> Damn. We're supposed to be a kind podcast. We so. can't publish this. No, but but um, eye contact. See, I and actually politeness. You, you say that you don't think it's rude for someone to just not participate and that, but I kind of think it's basic. Like you don't have to say, hey, how you doing? Right. Air you can wear. You don't have to do all of that. But I think it is basic courtesy to, if you if you look at someone and your eyes meet, to just give a little, you know, just a little acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge you. Like we see each other. You're a human You're being. A human being. Yeah, yeah. We exist in the same space. Like I think that that is the most basic courtesy. If you go below that, like if you, Look at someone, and they're just stone faced, and then you look away. Yeah. That's I think that that is rude, and obviously that depends on culture where you are. I mean, like but I know, where, but, but where does culture meet social intelligence? Is what you're saying? Like that, it's yeah, uh, maybe I'm just saying that some cultures are better than others. <laughs> uh, my pre- my cultural preference is for people to be a little bit more courteous. It's southern hospitality. If, if you make eye contact when you're passing someone, at the very least. Give a little nod. You don't have to be all cheery. Look, I mean, I don't like all of that touchy-feely, super mm-hmm. cheery face. You're not asking for stuff. fake stuff. I'm not yeah. asking for that. I'm just asking for acknowledgement. You know, like, yep, how you doing? You don't even have to say how you doing. It's just a facial expression. It's the how you doing expression. Well, like, like I was saying about social intelligence, at some point, acknowledging humanity is a, a necessity, and it suggests um, how we behave. Like, So I don't know if you could... Someone who navigates social intelligence and 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 society well will do acknowledge more often so if you take yeah. the person who avoids eye contact frequently and head down mm-hmm. and then i'd like to see how that plays out big picture if you could do some poll of here's 50 percent here's a population who does not look make eye contact and you know shies away from interactions and here's the ones that embraces and is friendly i could just look at like interpersonal relationships success in, in business upward like i'd just like to see all of that play out and yeah. how much is that 
Yeah. How much is that social intelligence and how much is that just culture and what's the overlap there is really interesting to me. Yeah, there's probably some of it is social intelligence. I don't like that phrase. Um, I guess, I, well, maybe the word intelligence gets, gets, we need to have a clear definition of intelligence, not in this discussion necessarily. And then we need to, we need a term that says someone who, who well, I mean, adapts well socially versus I, those I who mean, don't. I think that if you're going to use psychological terminology, then agreeableness is the one, is the trait yeah, you're looking for there. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, like, I, but the thing is that, that term agreeableness doesn't really convey your skill, or not to me anyway, it doesn't suggest you're skilled at social interaction, it just means you care about social interaction. You're more likely to, well, be, be you're agreeable. More actually, you're, more act- you're more likely to cultivate a skill in interacting with people, but you know, I imagine there are people who are agreeable who are not socially intelligent, as you might, but, yeah. you know, that are just bad at it. Maybe they're, but th- and that's where I think confidence comes in, because you can imagine someone who is agreeable, they care about pleasing others, but they have really low confidence, and so they're actually, you know, they're looking down, they're not making eye contact, whatever. Um, and that seems like it, there could exist people who are both agreeable and not socially intelligent yes. or n- not confident, however, whatever. But that's why I like the term. Like, I, I don't want to assume I understand why you don't like social intelligence, so I'll ask you why you don't like the term. But the reason I like it is, is social navigation is difficult and complex and those who do it well are using I'm just using the term intelligence they're using some skill social skills you could just say social skills I guess but to navigate all those complexities and whereas agreeableness to me suggests in a confrontational situation you're more likely to just want you tend to not want to engage in the confrontation and you want to make you want to agree you want to find a solution and that might even mean going against your values or whatever. Well, so, so I think agreeableness, like, I mean, it's in the name. You want to agree a little bit, but I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's that, I mean, maybe there is some conflict avoidance, but I don't know necessarily that it goes hand in hand with, you know, caving or agreeing. But I think it does mean that you want people to get along, like you want to resolve yeah. conflicts and stuff. Um the reason I don't like social intelligence is kind of what you mentioned. Like, there's a lot of conflation in terms. Um, like, I think that someone who's a big proponent of the idea of social intelligence might conflate disagreeableness with social unintelligence, or social <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, not having social intelligence and being disagreeable are the same, but they're not. So I guess we're talking about two different things. A skill at interacting with other people and your propensity for you know smoothing over conflict and stuff two different things i guess do you think the term intelligence needs to be narrowed because we try to say that everyone's intelligent in some way or another so therefore it's just a worthless word yeah if but i really believe it's okay to say all right we're going to narrow the word intelligence but we're not going to also inflate it to being so it's not the ultimate thing right there is social skills whatever word you want to use there there is there's creativity but i don't think Mm -hmm. because you can create a um you know a masterful painting it's it's really there's something vastly different about creating a masterful painting and be a, a master of the various techniques and art and being able to do complex mathematical you yeah, know, computations sure. like that seems like intelligence seems like an ability to retain process and output information and synthesize data and information that seems like we should just narrow it to something like that mm-hmm. although i know terms like data and all those terms need 
definitions, but we need to narrow it down. We can't yeah. just be like, oh, that was so smart of you because you like told a clever joke at a good time. Like That doesn't seem like intelligence. That seems like something valuable. I don't want to demean it. It's just labeling... The, yeah, I can see why labeling something social intelligence is sort of... It's making a claim that I'm not sure I agree with. Yeah, I mean, we kind of apply the word intelligence to everything. I agree. I think it should be narrowed. And, you know, I guess there is the term general intelligence. That's what they talk about in the literature. You know, when people talk about intelligence, they say general intelligence, and that's a thing. But more broadly, culturally, we don't we don't think about that term or even know what that term is. We just talk about intelligence. That's how smart you are. But I definitely agree. Like, intelligence isn't as important. It is important, but it's not, as, it's not the end-all, be-all. Like, you can definitely imagine, like, an actor or something. They don't have to be intelligent if they, like, can really dive into a role and portray what they're doing. I don't think you have to be intelligent to do that. Or not very intelligent. Obviously, you have to memorize lines and be able to conceptualize what it's like to be another person. Lots of Sure. But you, you can be of average, completely normal, intelli- general intelligence, yeah. problem-solving ability, and be an excellent actor, yes. I think. Yeah, and like a, Or sense. like a comedian. You know, you don't have to be, you know, some kind of brainiac to be a, to be able to tell a joke or to be able to like. You can be more of a character in your person, in your physical being. You can be like a giant dude with goofy eyes mm-hmm. or something. And comedians like make that part of their shtick. And 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 what people I think might hear you and misconstrue is that you're saying they don't have something exceptional. You're robbing them of whatever exceptional trait they possess but you're not you're no. just saying it's not intelligence yeah, it might, right. it's something else it's a, it's the ability to it might be empathy like, like comedians have a, a, to me an enormous amount of empathy or at least something going on where they recognize the absurdity in the human condition they recognize the sort of universality in it they tease it out and they, they they find something that can make you laugh about it and it's beautiful they take darker areas typically right they're taboo areas and there's tension because we haven't addressed it and that's why tension and taboo that's why comedy is so frequently dirty is like we are not allowed to laugh about this and so the laughter is more explosive when you tap you, you're you're given permission to go ah, ha, 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 finally someone's recognizing it and they're making it lighter and i need this and so laughter is almost this Laughter is the best medicine. For a spoonful of laughter. A spoonful of laughter keeps, helps the, of laughter makes the comedy go away. down. Keeps the comedy away. <laughs> yeah. A spoonful of laughter keeps the comedy away. That's what they say. <laughs> spoonful of laughter keeps them. Keeps. Yeah, okay. You, yours is better. <laughs> <laughs> Guess I have more of that empathy. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah, so so eye contact, right? Yeah, man, eye contact's great. So yeah, we've been hanging out. How about we? Uh, how about we kick things off now that we've kicked things off with a? I mean, it's been when was when was our last podcast? It was like two months ago. Or about something. two months. Yeah, something about. Right. Um, so you've been you've been like doing your job and you need to get your priorities straight, basically. Yeah, well, to really quick, I mean, just to recap, not personal, like in depth, but the end of school years are always mad. Like they're crazy because you have to. First of all, if there's kids that are struggling, you've got to address all of that, execute and then you can them. you can imagine a time the execution, all expel, those how what, expel, whatever whichever, it is. Same, word. I think I I, I use those interchangeably. Yeah. yeah. Um, or. Yeah, it's it's both developing, tweaking the final, delivering the final. Um, it's figuring out those grades, all the end of year meetings. But then on top of that, the sort of how do you wind down a year um, in in distance learning situations. And then I launched and did a, an intensive summer program, and I won't go into all the details, but it was just 
Um, I got to play the role of a department chair, essentially, in which I had five uh, teachers um, that I was... Uh, coach was really my title, and I coached them in terms of I gave them lesson plans. They created their own, but in conjunction with me, and I um, observed them teach daily, every single one of them daily, and I gave them feedback. So you're spending a ton of time yeah. on all of this stuff. It was, a, it was really rich and rewarding, but it was arguably busier than your typical mid-year or just what's Would you say that it was on? more or less draining than when you're in the classroom with, with kids? Um, more, it's more draining and less pleasant. I guess that might be why. It's yeah. actually hard to, because you kind of take a, if you, if you think of your, your satisfaction bar, you might not notice if something's very taxing and rewarding, your bar stays full, right? Um, but... Yeah, but you're, kind of, you're saying you're kind of at the same level. And this was, I don't know if this, if this were long term, I'd probably get out of teaching, which is sure. a sad thing to say. But, yeah, um, it's all, I mean, it's all about the inseminating young minds to you. <laughs> it's all about the students, right? That wording. Yeah. That's what they say. That's a no, educational term. It, so maybe you're just not familiar with it. Inseminating young minds. Yeah, it means to inseminate information. So you're inseminating information into all of your students' heads. That's how it works. Yeah. Aren't you an English teacher? <laughs> yes, and that's precisely why I'm giggling right now. Um, giggling. Uh, giggling is such a when, when I say masculine giggle, it doesn't. Giggle. Yeah, when I, I just I, let out yeah, a masculine giggle. It's <laughs> 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 my masculine giggle. Um, um, that was my actual voice, by the way. I can. I mean, it probably sounds, it sounds so weird. Some over people the, hate that. Yeah. Thing, right? In fact, uh, when I do that, it's my evil guy laughing. Yeah. I, I mean, I can do it much louder, but. When I do that, hands down, guys, boys and men, young boys in the classroom, like, love it, and girls hate it, and it's just an interesting divide. We, you could mm. guess, I don't know why exactly, but they, girls hate it, like, they, they are vocal, they are, like, and guys are, some are laughing so hard, it, like, it taps in, whatever happens, it's tapping into someone, mm. uh, or it's something. Jealousy. Um, wait, what were we just saying, though? I had an Talking idea. Talking about, um... Oh, the, just the, what's it like ta- uh, teaching on yeah. Zoom, essentially? Oh, yeah. And and I don't, I haven't so normal. It hasn't felt so normal yet. It hasn't felt normal. So therefore, of course, it's more taxing and exhausting. And you have to be. There's things I can walk in. I can say for for an AP class. This will sound strange, but if I've taught, if I've read the article, I've taught it before, and I know the concepts. I mean, for the most part, an AP class wants to come in and they're they're eager to discuss something. So all I have to do is say, read this, and we're going to dis- I'm going to have you develop the questions, you develop the response, and I can put yeah. way more on them. That it's, way, you don't have to do your job. Well, that's what it sounds a little bit lazy, but it's actually more important <clears throat> once you've done the framework for how to ask questions and how to think about a piece, and yeah. and then I coach them through the conversation with some questions if necessary. Mm-hmm. But my the way I see it is like, here's this piece, play with it, and I'll make sure you're playing with it in a way that's fruitful and beneficial. Sure, right. And so um, take that to Zoom, which is unfamiliar to all, so no one knows how to have a, an organic conversation. Um, there's just so many barriers, like taking yourself off mute, or even if you do all yeah. take yourself off mute, even just that. Like, you can speak it, over each other. Yeah, and there's the diffusion of responsibility in which a kid can just sit back and go, I'm muting myself. I've, I actually had talkative classes go very quiet on me. Mm-hmm. I'd pose the question, there'd be silence. I'd say, yeah. I'd make a joke, like, not all at once or whatever. Sure. And they don't feel, unco- there's no social pressure to speak <clears throat> out. They could yeah. sit back and go, oh, look, look, look at Daniel I mean, or the teacher struggle yeah. here. All you have to so. do is look away from the screen and you don't feel like you're in the moment anymore. Yes. And so. conversely, by the way in those 
so like there were some obviously some classes that didn't go as well as I hope like in any teaching situation but particularly on zoom but that didn't even last with me when you get off you close out the class yeah. and then I'd go oh, I'm glad that's over whereas if I had a bad class in person yeah, that would that kind of well it, yes ass. it would affect me more I'm gonna say it would like it would haunt me a little bit more um, yeah. and it did not haunt me as much either it I guess that's all to say that it all feels less personal no yeah. one has reached their norm so if it were normal perhaps discussions would be richer and people got used to it and they would accept it because there's resistance to accepting knowing it's temporary and it is inferior of course it's gonna be completely dismissed but if you went in going I must accept this that's gonna change well, everything, right? Like, like the way the way students behave is how enjoyable teaching is, right? So, if, if students misbehave frequently, teaching's miserable. Yeah. And if students behave and are buying into what you're doing, teaching's pleasant, and yeah, it's great. So, so it's just going to be less as long as the students are resistant, and I can understand why they would be. Then it will be. Uh, just a worse experience, but that's the irony. They they're making themselves more miserable too, and they don't understand. They don't understand their, that power. Even if you told told them explicitly, they don't fully understand that. Yeah, well, so, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of that, I think, anyway, it's because it's not education, not voluntary. Um, yeah, it's well, not students choosing to self educate, and so of course you're going to get kids tuning out. And if you if if they're at home in their own bedroom with their own computer that they're usually you know doing their own things on right. and they're expected to keep their attention focused on this virtual classroom, I think that's a lot to ask. It is. Well, Even psychologically, it should be a lot to ask because we need to say the bedroom's a you know a, a place for relaxing and, and not for you know you need a clear delineation of time to work and time to play. I think that's healthy barriers and now we're blending everything and it's why people go stir crazy at home. Like, why not all work from home forever and that'd be fine. I mean, you work from home and you yeah, could probably talk on this, me. but there's a clear delineation though. You probably have your work room. You don't, yeah, do I you, work in there and I don't work in there. He's pointing to his work spot and his non-work spot just, just so you can visualize. Yeah. Man, it's great that I can have you like narrate what I'm doing. <laughs> he I'm nodded his head a few I'm times earlier and I thought to myself, gesticulating why <laughs> you did you nodded earlier and i thought in agreement with me when i said something like you don't i don't want to presume but i know you don't like the term social intelligence because of these reasons he, yeah. and you nodded your head and i thought they're missing out on this experience of him agree you know they can't see that but whatever yeah. so well hey how about we do it's been so since it's been a couple months uh let's do a superpowers and drawbacks i love that yes it's been it's been a long time i've thought of some more in the meantime i'm glad uh, and I think I think I've looked at my list, and I think I'm gonna go. I have a lot of really, really good ones, but I think I'm gonna go with a four a this four. time. A four. By the way, a qu quick two. aside. Um, my girlfriend listened to this, loves the superpowers and drawbacks so much that she like. It, it almost feels yeah, it plays along. That's I mean I think that's the appeal. Anyone's seeing if they agree or disagree with our decisions, but it almost feels like. If it were a little more complex, it could be a party game. I think yeah, like I think maybe. this would I think this would be a fan favorite if I were like like I don't know I, I love it I maybe love I'll make the idea. <laughs> I could imagine a card game where you know you get to draw the cards and you have to like trade with the other players. Some like maybe you can force a trade and then you come out with your set of superpowers and drawbacks. Uh, and then I, I don't know how you win. <laughs> You well, just put them down you and win. everyone has their set. No, we have, you and I have the right answer, and if they answer correctly. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> well, that's just reality. Yeah. No, it's also fun for them to predict what I pick, or if you, if you could somehow write down what you think I'd pick. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's all interesting stuff. But let's play the usual way. But it's a yeah, thought yeah. that, like, it's a thought of you predicting what I'd say and why, and seeing how close it, it would be. So, well, it. since I write these for this podcast, mm-hmm. like a lot of times I do write them thinking about what you'll choose, and yeah. that helps me balance them as well. Yeah, makes sense. Um, all right. Without further ado, um, the first superpower is called Sequel Summoner. Okay. Uh, so for this superpower, you can summon from the future yet to be made sequels of entertainment like movies, video games, or books. Uh, these cannot be shared in any way with anyone else. If you reach too far into the future, you may receive unusable te- you may receive unusable technology, i.e. hover disks. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I wrote that. Um, but yeah, that's the power. So you can't share it, but you can experience uh, media from can, entertainment. And you said I can future. keep going in the future. So if I liked, say, The Fault in Our Stars, I can get The Fault in Our Stars 2 and yeah. 3 and 4 and 5. But yeah. the only point that you're saying is if books become obsolete and for some reason yeah, it's hover sure. books. Yeah, you it's know? hover books. You may not be able to actually use them. <laughs> well, but, I would, or like, if, for example, if you were in the, uh, it's a device, in the 90s mean. and you sequel summoned... You know, something from today. And I got a Blu-ray. You got a Blu-ray. You would just be... Or the or, Netflix... Yeah, yeah right. So there, So there is some limitation. That's why it's only a four. Okay. And you can't share it as well. But Okay, okay. Some quick questions. Um, well, what are my questions? Um, are they guaranteed to be... So sequels suck often, right? That's kind of a thing that plagues. Like, like oh, they, they're just cheap ca- cash grabs. Are you giving me some assurance that this is not no. a cash grab? No, not at all. It's summoning it from the future. So if you you know reach into the future and get Jaws 4 or Shark Attack 3 or, or what's a movie we... Lot. We've been Trancers watching tons of B movies. Trancers 3, 4, 5, 6. Yeah. Yeah, Troll 2. If you reach into the future and grab one of those, like it's going to be what it would be. If it's a cash, grab, that doesn't that's, a cash that grab. statement doesn't make sense though. Like there is no fault, the fault in our stars too, but I could I would if, get it right. No, you wouldn't get it if it won't ever. Exist. Oh, well, hold on, wait. Let me. Oh, think that's about a big. That. That's, on, that's a very so, okay. Let me okay. think about that because that might be too powerful. If you can say, "Give me fault in our stars too," Which, and it, and there and you can, and nothing appears for you, then that allows you to predict the future in a way that you could potentially manipulate in your favor. That's interesting. You think that that's power? I thought because you could say, you know, you could say. Give me, uh, like, in 1980-whatever, you could have said, give me Star Wars, you know, episode 5, or whatever, and, you know, Star Wars, it might not have gone anywhere, potentially, and if you... If you didn't get anything, then you would know not to invest all your money in Star Star Wars. Wars, Star Star Wars stocks. (laughs) See, this is how I conceptualized it is because I get to enjoy it for my own entertainment, like like then I basically am getting more of what I like a lot, no matter whether it was produced or not. Like I'm getting a quality an equal quality of the thing I like. This is what I imagined you saying, really, when you first said it was doesn't matter if they because there's so many things that don't have sequels, right? Obviously, in the grand scheme of things, few things have sequels. So mm-hmm. I would even apply it to like music, like a spiritual. Se- yeah, well, um, I mean, in modern times, in I mean, modern times, sure, in and, all and, of history. and blockbusters get lots of the highest. Explain what a blockbuster is. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> not the where you oh, rent videos, like yeah, tentpole film or big budget like. M- yeah. agreeable films that everyone's going to kind of like it's going to have action and love and suspense and major you know CGI or at least uh, special effects um, anyway so these giant films get sequels frequently yes yeah. but in all of 
things produced entertainment was obviously very 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 few have sequels right i don't think very 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 few i would have I mean, put it at like i would f- put it at five like percent so you put it at 30 i put it at five that's interesting so i mean a lot of things have sequels a lot of a lot of things a lot of popular things i mean but maybe i'm off base you're you're, like, you're if you were to gauge popular things yeah it gets the well obviously the more maybe popular that's, maybe the there's more. some some bias because the things I hear about are popular things, and so that's what I'm saying. And there's a lot of things that go. Do you know how many books die? there are? And like they don't have. They're just here's a great book, or here's a great video game, or here's a great like movie that's like an indie film or the something. Great that, too. Yeah, like well, or yeah. the joke that I make every Christmas, like, is <laughs> the Bible. Bible. Is Bible two out this year? <laughs> but that's what. So so I legitimately thought you were giving me sort of the pleasure if I found some diamond in the rough or some hidden gem and I was like I want a second or a third uh, that I could get right. those and that you know I can't share those but I get my own yeah, pleasure okay. from them. I think that that's fair and they are of equal quality at least you can't alright so I'll make it this way you can't share them that stays and they're also it's also non-predictive oh man but I feel like some, if you summon it it should eventually happen Okay, yeah, because I'm not rewriting. But, but only means, I can share it. But, That's what you're making it isolated, so it doesn't matter if it does But doesn't. that means you could su- you could say, <clears throat> I'm summoning Fault in Our Stars too. Yeah. Why did you pick that? Anyway. <laughs> it's a weird one. But I'm picking Fault in Our Stars too. Because it's not going to happen is why I picked it. Like, and uh, and that w- the act of you summoning that means it will be made. You know, oh, and okay. that's too powerful. It is, but I thought because the rule you're making it nice and neat that only I can shit. Sh- yeah, and I can't share. It. I can't write it myself, right? I can't use it to. Then it's just my personal enjoyment. So it's isolated; doesn't affect the future. I'm not using it. There's no loophole in which I'm using it for future gains. This is an entertainment thing for sure. me. Okay, is that fair for no, the that's, parameters? That's fair, but I still am trying to decide whether that if you summon you a thing does that mean it will happen or could you summon the fault in our stars too fully enjoy your personal yeah. issue of it and then and that's it and then it never yeah. really happens i think that's fine to do because i don't want to rewrite the future i think that's it. how we have to do it in order for it to stay afford. okay and same with video games so does video this apply games, to all uh entertainment music? music like so i get a a spiritual successor like a if yeah. i want it like third eye blind yeah fourth eye blind yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's weird because music musicians necessarily evolve and get the new sound. And you you kind of go with, it. but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, okay. you can't control I get it. what it yeah. is. You may get like let's imagine that you're pulling from an alternate timeline in which they continue, in which they did make a sequel. So maybe Third Eye Blind does change their sound. And you get something that you don't really like. Yeah, so so there's just a chance I don't like the sequel, but you're guaranteeing me quality, like because there are things that are like the 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 big movie that then has a, the next one that was a straight to home VHS copy that were shitty yeah, and, and just like and you purposefully. Might get that one. Okay, yeah. Okay. 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 So it just seems to be like, realistic, whatever that like means. Like you might so, like if I use this power and I said you. Um, a few years ago, I want more Star Wars. Yeah. You know, it's been forever since Episode Three came out. Give me more Star Wars, and it reached into the future and gave me J.J. Abrams Episode Seven. Yeah. I'll be pissed. Yeah. Or Episode Eight. And then, if worse, there will I'll be, be a future one, you will get that one. Yeah. Okay. That. Let's do it. Okay. That, way. that was a long question asking thing, yeah. but yes. Okay. I think I I, I generally am understand getting that one. It. I generally right. do. Yeah. All right. So the other, hopefully, this one. <clears throat> Maybe we'll have less discussion. Uh, this superpower is called bromoerotic. 
<laughs> Bromoerotic. Okay. Yeah. So people of your sex find you extremely good looking. Okay, I like uh, that. <laughs> it, it doesn't change their sexuality, um, but it might affect the way they behave towards you. So they might be intimidated by you, or they might assume that you're famous. Um, members of the opposite sex see you as you really are. So no change. No change for um, for how women see you, but men find you extremely uh, like good looking. And, and that could sociologically impact the female's perception of me. At a point. But if, but if, they don't physically see me as different. Like they just. But if they hear, man, this guy's look how awesome he is. He's such a badass, and like that might elevate. It could elevate, yeah. It could cause some weird friction. Yeah, yeah. Um, it could cause you know other men to defer to you or to compete with you more. Yes, I um, bet so. Yeah. Right, like I right. bet. I bet all of a sudden, like they have challenges. You walk into a bar, and they're like, "You think you're so great?" That kind of thing could happen. Could okay. happen. I mean, this is superpower. So I think. Like I put it as a superpower because I think it's more good. I agree. Not. I think it's more so. good to, for people to to be like they they think I'm and, just. And, I mean, you could use it like professionally as well. You know, like if you're getting, uh, I mean, I if I have know. male bosses, they are gonna treat me better. Sure. Right. Like they just are. They just, good looking people uh, under the assumption good looking people get treated better that's I pretty don't well. Think that's an assumption. I think. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty well is. proven. Yeah, good looking people get treated better, and whether they even consciously realize it or not yeah so uh okay um and now the drawbacks so the first drawback is called the whistle man uh, any music you're exposed to is replaced by whistling the same uh, tune uh yeah the same the same melody and everything oh, uh, you're yeah. not the only one who hears the whistling though the music is actually replaced by whistling when i'm when present you're hearing okay yeah. i've not um, replaced humanity's whistle no. just when i'm there so, if i go to a club yeah, if you go to a club it's whistling playing <laughs> I, can't can't even even whistle. Whistle. I was going to go dunch, dunch, dunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that you go in it's just a bunch of yes everyone looks around what is going on yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so this affects the radio, uh, movie soundtracks, live concerts, everything. So you could have, actually... Movies get really goofy all of could, a sudden. I mean, you could turn into a super villain with this thing. Like crashing, People hate you going to movies. Crashing, crashing a, a live concert. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Like, it's actually kind of fun. Maybe I should move that to the other side. But it's also torment. You're, right? you're giving up... Music. Well, uh, most music, mm-hmm. not whistling. Yeah, Melody, little tunes are still hitting it. Like you can get stuff cut, stuck in your head, and yeah. But God, giving up music is a big deal, really big deal. So, and the final uh, drawback um, is called self-destruct. Very simple. Um, a button is placed on the exterior of your body somewhere, uh, somewhere of your choosing. Okay. Um, if the button is pressed for three seconds, you will instantly and painlessly die. The button cannot be removed or disabled. Amputating the location of the button will cause another to appear on your forehead, so don't even try it. (laughs) The button has enough resistance so that simply moving naturally runs no risk of pressing it accidentally. The reason you say three seconds is intentionality, right? You're not sleeping and rolling over and dying. Okay. Yeah. You basically don't have to worry about accidentally self-destructing yourself. It, but someone else could. Someone else could. could. Yeah. If they were if intentional. They, if they, they wanted you if, dead, they could. If they knew about the... If they saw the button and, you know, regardless of their knowledge of what the button did, if they pressed it for three seconds, you would die. That's interesting to put it at a four, and I think you're probably right. But it, it, that's a 
horrible, like very dangerous, but probably not dangerous at all. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's right? that's torture. Because you're giving me something that if I choose to put it in the in a under my armpit, armpit, say, and that's probably where I'd put it. Inside of your thigh. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere <laughs> somewhere it's not you know, on the taint, probably. No one's going to accident. Like, you have to really... <laughs> ah, what are you doing? Did you know, to inter- interject the thing, did you know that it's really popular in Japan to... I think it's called... What's the word they use? Like, gancho or gucho or... I'm there's some kind know. of word, but they do this this thing with their, the their hand. It's not, it has nothing to do with gooch. But they do this thing. They put their hands together with their finger, first fingers together, and they like go... Like a gun. And they, go- they, they jab people in their gooch right there. <laughs> And that's a thing that like kids do. Like as a other. joke. Like as a joke. Yeah. yeah. That's um, a common thing. So don't go to Japan. If you put yourself the start button there, don't go to Japan anymore and really interact weird. with like really teenagers. Weird. I mean that's that's I didn't know that first of all, and like that's a that, that sounds like something that would something very like much take hold here too, right? Like yeah. it's just maybe, like maybe I mean, we'll be the pebble in the middle pond. school boys. This is like a uni- I didn't know this, but there's this. Well, I did know this. I don't mm-hmm. know why I said that. Led with that, but like. In middle school, you just start hitting each other in the balls, and like that's what you do, yeah, like, sure. like, or it's just Back like, out. yeah, I mean, or or showing them each other, or whatever. Like you just get into these gamification of kind of a pain. There's no, there's no, I don't know Did why. Did you ever uh, play the game Thumps? Um, yes, where yeah, where you would, you would, you, you hold your hands in like kind of a clamshell shape, and the other person thumps your knuckles. Yeah, and people would get can. good. Like some people could the, the way they would take their middle finger and thumb and I was one of the best. You could you could I remember you specifically could Bennett could go up to a tree and like knock leaves off. Like it like 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 and they would pat and it would make a pound noise. You could almost like as if if you got a rubber band and a tight piece of paper, he could oh, yeah. hit with that, that sort of too. he could hit with that sort of pow, like leave a mark kind of funny that people but anyway those yeah. sorts of games like pain inflicting yeah. and i have a, obviously if you think about think your way through it you're in middle school you're hitting puberty you're just bravado. your body and bravado and and so just kind of hitting each other is <laughs> this sort of simple acknowledgement and it's almost a, a it's a show of affection almost i mean unless it's mean that's then that's bullying yeah, that's sure, a different thing different. but but but, I mean, I'm sure, I don't remember the details, but I mean, I'm sure there's animal studies of adolescent animals who wrestle. Doing and similar just, things. That's just part of development, is testing your physical bounds. And the question becomes then, as, a, as an educator, by the way, like, we are always mm, yeah. emphasizing, you know, behave, being well-behaved, but if it's, mm. if it's a normal expression, that you don't want to encourage too much. Like, dude, stop, yeah. you can't hit each other In like class, that. Yeah. yeah. But... Like we need a space on campus for yeah. (laughs) They can't wrestle around in class. My job is to say no. But say in between classes, the the natural teacher impulse is to say cut it out if they're horse playing in the hallway. But it if if it's during lunch and they want to wrestle around and it's obviously two friends. The thing is, well, I meant we have a long lunch period. I'm just speaking to our culture. Yeah, they're done eating and they're hanging out and throwing the frisbee, but then they're wrestling over a frisbee. The, the, what's difficult as a teacher and like with, with yeah. liability is like um, 
knowing it's, when it goes too far. Well. Yeah, knowing when it goes too far. But let's say we can safely assess it's two friends, and you know, but but the horseplay doesn't look good, right? It doesn't sell well for the school image. Like we, we people shut it down when when in reality, like this is a healthy expression, and let them just let them, just let them. Like where else can they do this? Well, like let also, them do it. You know, even so. at younger ages, have been cutting out recess and and stuff. That's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like that's a nightmare. We need to physically express ourselves, and we need to do so healthily and. And is it so bad that if two friends, I mean, I have a, a, a memory of David and I like when we were in second grade and he pegged me with the, uh, we were playing like basically tag with the um, dodgeball type, you know, that yeah, red yeah. ball with the print yeah. on it. It actually kind of hurts. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, kickball. And like he hit me in the face <laughs> too close and I kicked him or something. I, yeah. I, I don't really don't remember, but we were ticked at each other and then we had conflict <laughs> resolution and because sure. he... He was a jerk. Or no, he put his leg up when I was trying. It doesn't matter. We hit each other too hard, and we were ticked, and we won- like I was so mad, and he was mad, but like I needed to have that interaction to yeah. prevent that interaction would have stunted uh, conflict resolution abilities. Like this is sort of a like let that stuff happen. Let them wrestle a little too much, and then let them. Obviously, you gotta interfere. Anyway, let's go back. <laughs> let's let's circle back to. Yeah, I mean, you could have just self destructed David in that moment. <laughs> you know? Like. Yeah, I, I could, um, well, I mean, I could have self-destructed you. My my belief, really quick, my belief is that like people would not intentionally kill me, and I think I I'm 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 fairly certain I could do the button drawback and get off scot free. The problem is if I'm wrong, I'm so freaking wrong that yeah, it's like dead. like I'm dead. So at least you're painlessly dead. I'm <laughs> that is true, but but I don't want to die. And so that risk is that that risk is astronomical, but like I think it's a very small chance that someone either wants me dead. Like and if like let's say you get into like like a spouse wanting you dead. If they really want you dead, you might die anyway. So is it? it this just makes it easier. Um, what do you mean you might die? Anyway? I'm I'm saying that if you were in like a mar- a poor marriage of thirty years and they decided they wanted to poison you or kill kill you in some yeah. way, that they now they have a they, button to do it. Well, they, they have a button, so it's easier. But like if they wanted to poison you, that's just life. This is that's outside of this. So oh, they yeah, sure, so right. but they're probably not gonna want to do that. So yeah. I'm not at. I'm just not. I, it's tempting because I really believe that I'm, that's not going to be a drawback. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I think so. it's all about risk. So let's recap really quickly. All right. So sequel summoner. Yes. Uh, Bromo erotic. Yes. The whistle man. Yes. And self destruct. Okay. So my knee jerk, if I'm to choose, which I actually. Don't find Sequel Summoner and Bromo Erotic to be stuff I like care about. Yeah, enough. Right. Um, but so my my, my knee jerks to walk away. Um, but I think I'm gonna choose. I mean, don't don't you love? I mean, you love books and you love reading. And you I love that, but I also love. Uh, manipulation, like right. social manipulation, and you that love your bro really. <laughs> I mean, um, half the population, if not more, in, I mean, my bosses are equally, if not more, likely to be male, and like that upward mobility edge is is I think statistically significant. Meaning, not just upward mobility, but just being heard. They'd want to hear me. In fact, I think mm-hmm. I'd walk into a a place and they'd want to hear me. Um, and so, 
that might outweigh part of the part of the joys of experiencing any entertainment is sharing and you've eliminated that so i actually think that 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 becomes i love talking about a good book if i cannot do it then my enjoyment takes a significant hit for me a significant hit so yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say if i were to choose one it'd be the promo erotic um and then i'd probably take um the button because giving up music is you still get to listen to the best, highest quality whistling, so <laughs> yeah. does everyone else. Yeah, it's well, I'm not worried about ruining music for them when I'm around. <laughs> no, just because when I'm around. If it were all of humanity, it's a no-go. Yeah, sure. I can't take music from humanity. That's a, that, that's so selfish. Um, but you didn't make it that way. So I don't want to give up music. So it would be Bromo Erotic and The Button, but I think I'm walking away. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm walking away from this one. I don't need it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm walking away. Interesting. I have a feeling you might not agree. You probably might. Here's my. Can I have a guess Go before ahead. you? Go for I it. guess you walk away, but I'm guessing if you if you were to take it, you'd take um, whistle or you would take. Excuse me. You would take. You'd still take the button, but you would take um, the sequels. That's yeah. my guess. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I don't think I would walk away. I think that the button is a small enough risk that I should manage. Um, <clears throat> I think I could manage. And SQL Summoner, like, I mean, sure, I liked sharing, uh, talking about things that I... Okay, so I was wrong. That you, yeah. I enjoy talking about the entertainment and things that I do, but I enjoy it even if I don't talk about that stuff. And I would really enjoy being able to summon sequels from the future. In fact, like, the whole reason I came up with this is because I was reading a book series and reached the end of where it currently is, and I thought... Ugh, I really would just like to continue reading instead of having to wait years yeah. for the next one. If only I could summon it from the future. Hey, that sounds like a superpower. <laughs> and that was kind of it. Yeah. Um, I think I would take that. Bromorotic, I don't really care about. That actually, to me, could be <clears throat> negative. sounds like an introduction of chaos. Like, you would eventually learn to predict the way you would... You know, you would you would learn how you interact with people, and you would understand when you walk into the room and you see the way that the guys look at you or behave, how their behavior changes. You would learn how to manipulate that, probably to your favor. But it's still introducing chaos, and you can't. Maybe eventually you can predict how the interaction of women, and, like if you walk into a room with a man and a woman in there, like. And the man's behavior changes really awkwardly <laughs> because he's, you know, starstruck or intimidated or whatever. The woman's going to be like, "What's going on?" Like, <laughs> True. It's just going to be really confused, discrepancy, and it's going to introduce some sort of chaos or friction, and like it's just introducing unpredictability, um, which, you know, some people can manipulate that to their favor, but I don't really care about that. I don't really care about earning the uh, the admiring or jealous looks of my baromos. Right. Well, and by the way. Um, Obviously, the majority of the population is straight, and so if I see a, a male that I find, I'm just trying to think of a moment where I've encountered a guy who's like just really good looking, and I, I, like he did, he struck struck me in some way. I don't know. Um, I don't yeah, know I how much that impacts my like. It, it, I mean, I'll just be like, ah, God, I wish I looked like him. I'm a little jealous. Like these feelings happen, and and he and he might subconsciously carry some more authority with me, maybe, and probably so. But like, uh. It's not the same thing as if like a gorgeous woman and I'm bumbling over yeah, myself. If it was like, the opposite, then that's if, oh, if, if it's I the said, opposite, that's a nine or a ten on superpower. Yeah, that's super, super <laughs> like, superpower. Yeah, um, but that's not that's not it. Anyway, like I don't really care 
that much about yeah. that one. I almost would not want the additional attention and you know the burden of having to deal with someone judging my appearance. Yeah. You know, I would rather people just view me normally. Mm-hmm. So that one, that one doesn't call to me. Sequel Summoner does. The drawbacks is tempt like both of them are actually kind of tempting. Whistleman, I what I didn't think about it when I was writing this, but the havoc that you could wreak by going to a concert and turn, <laughs> so turning funny. it, I would I would become like a patron of the rap arts <laughs> because rap as a whistle doesn't really work, right? Uh, <laughs> it would work. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are, there are at least a few famous Melodies rap songs and... that have whistle hooks anyway. Sure. But but this would be changing the rap to whistles, and it would be glorious. It would be so funny. So they're, they're, if they're on stage and they're talking, and they're just whistling instead, it's is what you're saying? They have to then whistle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're I, I, experts at it. They, they, they somehow are whistling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to pour over the details yeah, does it make sure. them start whistling or are they singing and yet the sound is yeah, whistle yeah whatever but it's either way is amusing either way is amusing <laughs> and it turns it all into whistling and I find that hilarious the whistle man that actually you could become a villain a real life villain <laughs> by being the whistle man that's hilarious think how funny it would be go to the Super Bowl yeah like, the national anthem yeah. starts playing and it's like <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like you know some famous pop star or whoever, and you're expecting to hear her do her whole yodeling <laughs> tight national anthem, and instead it's whistling. Hilarious. And when she's doing so, so the funny. music itself is a whistle, and their vocals are a whistle. So you get, every, the layers, you get the layers, you get the yeah, you get all of it. <laughs> all of those guys, it's all whistling all the time. Very funny. Oh man, maybe I could finally make people stop playing Christmas music so much. <laughs> I love December. Christmas music. It feels like December when there's Christmas music. <laughs> oh man, so great. Uh, how weird! I play so the guitar, would... so how weird would it be that I'm like trying to play the guitar and instead it's whistling? <laughs> whistling. <laughs> You're, awesome. you're tuning your guitar. Yeah. It's a little off with its oh. whistle. <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, that's tempting, but I also enjoy music. I do think music is a little overrated, but... Um... <laughs> that's a weird statement, though. Such a big... That's just like, fun is overrated. Well, I know it's a little not the same. It's not the same, but... I mean, people talk about how music is like emotionally impacting, and I get well, that it can be, but... A lot of people will agree with this. St- my, my, my parents and I have argued this. I think I'm, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but I've made the statement that I think music is a component of identity. People, people at least feel and take it that far that their musical, not just taste, but like what moves them. It's a communication be different than words. I won't say beyond words or greater than words, but it's a we are rhythmic to our core and so something about music moves us and when I say moves us yeah physically we want to dance and express ourselves but like it's it's just a unique form and like because music and dance are hand in hand so all of a sudden expression through that rhythm there's something profound about it and so if I so that's the statement music is part of identity and my parents adamantly reject that and yeah, just say it's a, it's a it's it's a fun you know it's in that more surface level of this is a fun form of entertainment but safely within the confines of entertainment yeah definitely with your parents on that one i i i mean i get that some people can get really into music and and that's fine but not just some people i feel like it's uh most people have a relationship with music and like it shapes 
I'm not sure that's true. I I think maybe people think they have a relationship with music, or maybe they're projecting some sort of relationship onto music, or maybe music is just a conduit for them to think about their relationship with some type of that. Okay, I could get there because think about how we think historically or growing up. The when you think about the '90s, is not music part of. When I watch a '90s movie, it, it, why it feels like the '90s is the yeah, yeah, or yeah, you you go into that. I'm not saying I don't enjoy music, and or even that you know music can't be nostalgic. It's a or, marker for for the era. It's a it's a it's a way we. I I guess I I can't fully explore because I'm not musically knowledgeable. But like, what music. The community, how how extensive or how how profound or how important is music as a form of expression, is is difficult to quantify. Obviously, that's well, why. I mean, I think that if you could, in some way, snap your fingers and music didn't exist, never existed, and doesn't exist, yeah. then civilization would continue. Like yes. I don't think it's that profound and innate and like part of who human humans are. Like I think that it would it would just continue, um, and some some people it seems like think that it is so core to our being that you can't get away without it, and I think you could. I think that music is an excellent and amazing vessel or a conduit, like I say, for our emotions or our expression or you know needing to get up and move or whatever. But I think that you can find other conduits for those things in the absence of music. But I, I wonder if what you're saying is, is it almost, it feels like this is overlapping with the someone saying like, oh, the, the literature, entertainment, literature, storytelling, all of those, you snap your fingers and yeah, we could have still have our existence. Like we, we could like all the math and the buildings and the things to create society. It's just like, to what degree have you, well, t- like why is life worth living versus like life well, will be like. So I think that there's a huge distinction between the value of literature and the value of music. Uh, I mean, and I think you would agree. Yeah, I do. I do agree. Like, literature just, is explicit in what it communicates. There's values in, yeah, in literature. Like, you can right? convey knowledge yes. in, in, in written words. Sometimes allegories can speak truths that, that just I mean, statements can't. Yeah, yeah. We, and we have this huge body of cultural literature that kind of influences our behavior on a massive scale. It's almost like a psychological and, map and, of how and, to... Be. And music doesn't have that. And I'm not saying music isn't influential. Like, I totally think it is. I'm just saying I don't think it's as, as core to our being as some people say. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like I'm giving music a really hard time. <laughs> you should, though, because I think you're because, you're providing love, an interesting counter-experience. Everyone just sort of... Agree. In, in the effort maybe to be agreeable everyone's just like yeah music and identity boom and like yes and they move on and they don't you know you're, you're saying hold on hold on hold on music and identity um but if i were to make a list of huge hugely important facets of personality and and maybe identity i don't know but we get into like like humor um i, I don't i don't know i haven't thought through this list of big things but I mean, it seems to me if we're making a list of twenty things, music might make that twenty. Yeah, I mean, I think it can. I think it can. Um, like, I think there are people who invest their identity into music, just like there are people who invest their identity into their car yeah. or, you know, their well, their interior decorations or yeah. their clothes or whatever. But I I don't know that 
Uh-huh. That's a good like that's, fashion just, is I'm fashion saying, and identity. I don't. I'm just know. saying yeah. it's. I'm just saying it's overrated. That's all. Like, yeah. uh, I think people maybe put too much emphasis on it. And there are people who, you know, they'll sit at a concert or they'll they'll come home and turn on some uh, some music and then they'll cry and they get all emotionally attached to the music and fine, you know, fine, do it. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that. I think I think maybe there's some kind of projection going on, which is probably the point. That's probably yes. Actually, I would say it is what's the point desired. To, yeah. I'm just saying, I don't do that, and so I don't have that kind of relationship with music. For me, music is more like your parents. Oh, it's a nice, entertaining thing. Yeah, and, uh, and it's a challenge to be pursued in terms of creating music. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and I tend to actually agree. Like my parents raised me in a home without. <laughs> they would disagree without music. I mean, obviously they played music and. In Christmas, they play Christmas music, and they they played music on the radio sometimes. But like a lot of people, like have linked memories with their parents and music. What did they play? Like, did they play some country music? And like, so you have a relationship with you know Southern rock or something like that because your parents play that. I I don't have any link between my parents and music. I don't hear a song and think of my parents yeah. or think that's what my dad would play when I was growing up. So I don't have that. And consequently, like my musical knowledge is in the, like, it's, it's a joke. I don't have that. And I, so, yeah, I don't, but, but at the same time, like my emo stage in college was so profound to me because of music or like these stages I've gone through, I can almost mark them by music. That's true, so yeah. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, um, I, there I, w- I would say that my parents did raise me with music. I mean, that wasn't what they were trying to do, but mm-hmm. like they listened to country music. And so Kid Bennett l- was listening to country. I loved Garth Brooks and Alan yeah. Jackson. And like even to this day, like I can remember 90s country lyrics and stuff. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I don't enjoy country music. <laughs> you don't even like it. Yeah. But I probably know more country lyrics than... Oh, uh, no, that's probably that, not true. Yeah. I know lots of normal lyrics, even though I can't call them to mind. But they can happen when you're, the song's playing. So it yeah. is doing... Okay, so... There's s- some similar sounds. Well, I'm lyrically... That's just another weird but, thing. But that's... What, okay, so what's weird for me is you play a song I haven't heard in 10 years, and I'm going to... And, and let's say I had memorized the lyrics at the time, then 80% recall, I can sing along. What what the heck is going on in my brain yeah, that, yeah. that, like... So, so... If there's a link between it awakening something, but that that's why poetry and rhyming. So th- that that's music, right? The the pattern. There's additional context. Yes, patterns. More than just the words, because there's a pattern of melody as well. Yes, and so you just have more context. If I tell you, if I just say with no in a monotone voice, you know, I pledge to the flag yes. then you're going to know what that is because you know you've memorized that phrase and you even um, sing it I pledge allegiance to the flag well yeah we have it, a cadence that we say yeah. there as well but like if you had forgotten the phrase but I gave you the sing-songy tone that's more context for you to fill in the gaps um, you know what's missing even if you you know forgot the word allegiance then with the sing-songy tone that could give you more information to fill in what's there so all it is is providing more <clears throat> links like almost like synapse link for my brain it's to, another uh, dimension uh beneath the actual words i guess that's an that's an unromantic explanation of why like we think musically in some ways yeah, we, a we, great we, explanation. It's cool. it, 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 it it's is a cool, cool. well i was gonna it's say magic 
it's not magic, and I don't want it to be magic, but I want to think that there's something mysterious about beats and rhythms. But you're just saying it's not no. even beats and rhythms. It's just another layer. It's just another layer of information. And like, like rhyming. Like, again, and, this is and, what I go back. This is what I'm talking about a little bit when I say music is overrated because I think there are people out there that believe that we have some deep biological innate love of music and mm -hmm. like oh that's it's in our brain yeah, to you, like music and I don't think or that our that's ancestral the case. beats of like around a campfire and bon like beating and we're, yeah, we're dancing so it's not it's not I don't buy hearkening it. back to ancestral I don't buy yeah, it. okay I don't buy it no yeah I, I mean you know I don't I could, buy that necessarily read, either you know, but you can try to convince me but like I just I don't think it really holds that much water as all I just, I like though the idea of Obviously, if we're on this, if you think about time as being this linear thing, and we're at the forefront of time, and we're at the, like we don't ha we we have stories of our ancestors, and we have but singing the songs that they were singing, it, it feels it, music feels very alive in the moment, right? It's being produced and it's alive, and so sure. if you're singing an old chant or anthem or whatever that they sang, and you're you're dancing, so you're expressing yourself in the, and singing the way that they were doing, um, that that unique form of I won't. I jokingly call it time travel, but like this interconnectedness, this way of reaching back that is different than just listening to a story, reading their stories. That you're 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 living the way they were living yeah. in that moment in it, in it. But but that's not even musical. It's just repeating something they were doing and understanding. That's do, why traditions and ceremonies. Yeah, you could do feel the, same the same thing, thing. reenacting a you know a battle. From the past yep. Or if or, they all the ceremonies they would perform. That's why that's true, we do yeah, ceremonies yeah, in a large way. All, yeah. all of our ceremonies are, are that. markers saying we are now different. You know, transformation moments in society. Yeah. yeah. Hero's journey stuff. Yeah. So that's really an interesting cool. uh, segue, um, drawing things from the past and all that. Because one one thing that uh, that I wanted to talk about is your re a recent reinvigoration of your love for video games particularly uh, particularly super nintendo games yes that's what you've been like major that's basically what you've been doing with your time unwinding yeah. after all of this busy school yes stuff, right? my most recent hobby i mean i've been reading a lot this summer too but like but like reading is I'm not gonna call it a chore. It's a labor in a way that, like, sitting back and watching a movie or playing a video game is not. Like, I can be tired and whatever and still turn on a video game, whereas I can't. I can't do that with reading. So, yeah, so th this is my leisurely, like, like, uh, pastime. And yeah, I've gotten back into not just game. Gaming's intimidating nowadays, even though I know games have gotten easier. But first of all, the investment to a system. Um, for anyway, like, you, you buy this game and. Like something simple about like say the 16-bit era of Super Nintendo and Sega, and there's like a linear fashion. Yet the gaming, the graphics were they're charming and nostalgic. Yet uh, and, and linear in a way. Like so, a lot of them are just go to the right. Not all of them. That would be boring if it was just go to the right, jump on some platforms, shoot some bad guys, and finish the level. Yeah. But even that can be oh so satisfying. So there's a simplicity in both the visual presentation and the gameplay. Yes, like that's a big distinction. Like, you know, I, I play video games as a hobby as well. And those two things are both really important aspects of a game. How does it look? How does it play? Yes. And, you know, my personal taste is how does it play is the more important of those factors. And if you're getting so much enjoyment out of this these 16-bit games that, you know, by modern standards don't look as good, but they play good. Yes. Then that's kind of, 
I mean, you're kind of making a value judgment here. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways retro gaming, it, it, they don't look as good. There's no doubt, but there's there's a charm about seeing um, the the colors, the, the pixelated characters in the world. I mean, some of them and like, are art. And they do look good. Yeah, there's still expression. That's the thing. In 16-bit gaming, I would actually say in 8-bit gaming, not so much. Yeah. Like NES stuff, it can look bad, and the sound is grating and all of this. But with like Super NES stuff... <laughs> the character design they, they, they were they still had big limitations so if they chose the artwork for a bad guy to look a particular way you can appreciate like you you gain an internal idea of what are the limitations that they can work with how did they work within that and how did they produce something so awesome and crazy looking so I still get so much pleasure from the graphics like like it's not it's not impressive in a modern game if they uh, add... Well, not. I should say... Let me take that back. You're playing a modern game and you open up a book on the ground and the, the book actually has pages and text in it. That's pretty cool. Someone had to go write the text. So that's respectable, but it's not um, thrilling in the way that in a 16-bit game... Um, you dis- you figure out this in Zelda, say there's a in Link to the Past, a, a room opens up and the wall moves and the whole ground moves. Like That's... There's a thrill about that visually yeah. that I don't get when I see. Imagine you're, you know, you're playing a modern game and the the wall crumbles. Like, okay, I don't. I, I mean, it's neat, but I don't. I don't feel any thrill, and I feel so, thrill in 16-bit gaming yeah. when unusual visuals yeah. happen. Well, I think that there's something about limitations that that spurs on creativity, right? So when you have when like you, haikus, writing haikus. Yeah, sure, <laughs> right, exactly. Like in a 16-bit game, you obviously have fewer tools at your disposal to put what you want onto the screen. Like you're limited in terms of memory, in terms of sound, in terms of the amount of you know enemies on screen and all of that kind of thing. And it it forces you to think outside the box. And and also as a player, when they do something crazy like shape the whole screen that stands out to you because it breaks the rules that you're yes. used to seeing in the game and a modern game you know one that looks that tries to approach photorealism like there's less they can do to break the rules right of i the see game. it as boundless like, anyway closer to reality and so like they're trying to play into reality the older games are almost trying to make you map what you think is reality onto these blocks and yes. bit pixels and stuff. So that's a short way of saying I think 16-bit games can surprise you in a way that if I already enter into a modern game thinking the limits are reasonably boundless, like then I can't expect the game to do everything, but it can do any one thing, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like yeah. any game, modern game, can yeah, sure. have a giant game, dragon. A or flying a, game should have really good plane controls, yes. but you don't expect to be able to turn on the radio in the plane and hear you know, some great whistling. <laughs> yes, so it can do any one, one thing, but but yeah, 16-bit, if you already are doing, yeah, you ha- you understand the confines, so when it breaks those confines or it goes outside of that, it surprises you, and that surprise is so uniquely pleasant. Um, 
I've also I also feel like it is we were talking about time the idea of time traveling with music and things like I feel like I'm interacting with a video game that has say I'm I'm playing Metroid uh, Super Metroid um, for the first time I'm not I'm not a gamer I'm not claiming to be a gamer I know but I'm participating in a work a piece of work a game that that has lore and has has such fandom that has spanned over decades mm-hmm. and so playing that for the first time. Uh, and experiencing, um, you know, all the little secrets and and having the exploration it has, I, ha- I have a respect for the production of it. In the like the pacing of this feels like a modern game. It feels eerie and creepy, and the music and all of it I think is packaged really well. But but I guess my point is, um, well, I don't know what my point is well, <laughs> other than like, and there's also. It makes you, or maybe it makes you think you can tell me if this is true or not, but it makes you imagine how when people were playing this, you know, when it was new, like it makes you feel like you're back then playing it as if it was new. And there's probably also a component too of imagining how, oh wow, no one could just look up, you know, the answer to this. Yeah. Uh, And so, God, imagine if I was playing this without any help or any It is so easy to do that. When I'm playing a Super NES game, it's so easy to... imagine myself back in the 90s playing it i don't know how to explain i don't know why it's so easy to imagine but it is probably because you did play oh yeah a lot of these games i'm replaying oh gosh you you played them in the 90s and so you know that feeling but and now you're mimicking a lot of that same thing today and so it's easy for you to say ah it's like that time in the past yes yes so it's easy for me to map on and then so the nostalgia is there but even playing super metroid which i never played I, I get the benefit of nostalgia, yeah. even though even I don't, though you don't have the original. Yeah, thing, which yeah. I would argue that's why something like Stranger Things. Ta- I mean, people are watching that's that true, today. Yeah. They'd never watched, you know, ET and and various you know yeah. things, and they still feel it's. I do believe you can experience nostalgia without having the the memory to ma- yeah, and then that's a bad or I don't know if it's a bad thing. I think it's, it's, a, that's it's a cool okay. Phenomenon. It's a cool phenomenon. Yeah, I don't understand why, but it's really really cool. Okay, so, uh, so so my point of this gaming, so it's not intimidating to approach a 16-bit game. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're participating in uh, like historically significant gaming because my understanding is no matter where you fall on your preferences and which system you think is the best, Super NES and that 16-bit gaming era is like the golden age of gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, I, from my understanding, really, I mean... I I've mean, been, to, to me... It- it's up there. It's definitely up there. For it's, a lot of people, I think It's it smooth. Look, a lot of garbage games were made, no doubt. But, like, for the most part, the games... Every great game on the system, it works. It's smooth. It's um, immensely playable. And just so entertaining. And so, like, the investment isn't that... You can sit back. You can relax. And, and I actually appreciate the challenge at the same time. So, like, modern gaming doesn't have you... I'll call it grind, like like have to become an expert in a particular area. Um, and the, the version I'm playing, the Super NES Classic. Yeah, you've uh, got a cool little thing. Yes. Right? Yeah, I mean, long story short, there's a Super NES Classic, which I believe had about 20 games, an $80 price point of some of the classic games. And um, it had a pause and rewind feature and a save state at any point. And then I bought a modded one with every single game released in the U.S. So no Super Famicom games. But... Um, it's, it's over 1,580 games. Uh, yeah, that's including so. the NES, by the oh, way. Okay. Um, 
So fifteen hundred eighty games, games, tons of throwaway games, by the way. Like, and I don't mean throwaways in like these aren't. They're all they all work and everything. That's another but. difference between games then and games now is that then you could have professionally. I mean, all games were professionally made, but you could have professionally made throwaway games. Shovelware is you know a, a term yeah. that people use a lot. Whereas today, most of the like. There's kind of been a split. You either have indie games that are independently published, which is kind of a recent phenomenon, yeah. or you have big budget AAA games. And like back in the day, there was this middle ground for like AA games, yeah. um, where people could have a relatively modest budget and still produce a game that has some soul. And when you have those AAA games, yeah, they're soulless primarily because they need to please everybody and, and they need to play it safe and they're not going to take the risks. And so you have quirky like platformers and quirky shoot 'em ups and well, I mean, quirky whatever. We've been playing. It's why you've been here. We've been playing a lot of two-player stuff yeah. and like we played we played Goof, Goof Troop. Troop. Yeah, Goof Troop was great. Such a good it game. It was a lot of fun. It was a puzzle-based puzzle game, game with some action adventure elements or there are bad guys in it that you have to dodge their yeah, stuff yeah throw so, some pots at them yeah. and stuff but like it was you know fairly challenging and yeah. fun yeah. and uh, you know beat it in about what, three hours or something right. so short but like it was well made and like that's what I would consider like I wouldn't consider it shovelware because it's not a bad game right. but it's definitely not a triple A game <laughs> no, getting yeah. produced and so yeah just, where you can't I mean you're not going to get a goof troop game there is no or, modern or era goof like troop equivalent yeah. and that's what I didn't understand too with um, I want my game like okay look I'm an adult guy who has things to do so I want to say I want to beat this I want to play a game and I want to beat it in a week or so I don't want to I don't have time to make giant investments so Games are intimidating to get into, right? Because there's a learning curve. And even the great, great games out like now, um, I'm not saying they're not great, but they just aren't easy. The access point is intimidating, that's all. Whereas I think, there's almost I think no... they're probably easier than you, than you think. I'm probably overselling the how diff- Yeah, it just... But there so- is no question that there are more games that require a greater investment of time yeah. um, today than there were then. So that's about. I guess that's what I mean is that so take um, the new Zelda game, um, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is an amazing game. I'm not even saying it's particularly difficult. I'm sure I could play it and master it. I just when you hand me a game and say this is an, an 80 hour, 80 hour game, 100 hour game, whatever, it's like uh, I, I don't have time for that right now. But if you hand me a game and say this is a three hour fun play, oh yeah, that's gonna be my weekend thing, yeah. and and then I'll end up the the irony being I might play 180 hours worth this or three hour yeah, games right. 180 hours worth of a bunch of them but i like the clear resolution quickly and the satisfaction of finishing these games and and like i said like there's some charm to both the intro and ending of the games like a lot of them are still frames with a little bit of motion i don't even know what you would call that yeah. and and just silly dialogue and yeah, you're text, reading text yeah. box a lot but but like it's neat to see all of that stuff. Um, it's just neat. So I've really enjoyed the hobby. What's uh, been uh, your favorite game that you've played so far? How many have you played, roughly? Uh, maybe two dozen? A dozen? Um, a dozen's probably more accurate. I mean, I've sampled. If you're yeah. talking about what I've sampled a lot, but uh, because, I mean, I have so many games, but I've probably beaten a dozen yeah. games. And, um, well... I am, or I'll say what's impressed me the most is Super Mario World playing it. I mean, it's silly to say, I'm going to say some classic games, right? Because sure. that's what I'm playing right now. I haven't even gotten to the more obscure stuff. So 
playing Super Mario World is, is so expansive. I mean, it's well over 100 worlds. But what I don't remember as a kid is those certain levels having the key to unlock it and multiple yeah, exits really and the star that. world and yeah. like then this all the star worlds give you a map that give you to an an additional world and those levels are really hard mm. and so the mu- the music on the games i'm realizing how important that is and so you know you take something like a, a ghost house in, in super mario uh, world yeah. and like you actually feel creeped out by it and you're like you oh my god anxious. yeah i feel very anxious based on the music yeah those doors, those doors and the ghost like i don't even like the levels because <laughs> not because of the gameplay or the idea that these ghosts are floating after you but but the music in combination with all that just freaks me out so there's that so that that and all the different worlds and the fl- the flavor. I guess I would call that all of those things combined the flavor. So the flavor of Super Mario World's amazing. All different flavors. Its charm is off the charts. Just I understand why it still makes. The, if you look up, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and put my my uh, reputation on the line for gaming anyway. Which sure. and say Good if you cred. Google any top 20 games of all time, Super Mario World is gonna be on it. Just yeah. gonna be on it. If not top ten, like, and I get some of that is nostalgia playing a role, but I, I just it was so amazing. Um, yeah, it's a fun game. Then you take some sure. game. Let me give you one that is not good, but I enjoy playing is like Aladdin and yeah. and uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, they both you can sit down and beat within two hours. Um, yeah. And Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is a beat 'em up, but the last two levels become a one-on-one fighter when you're in the metro, the the Megazord, and it's oh. so it changes format, which is that you talk about surprise yeah. and appreciation. You're like, I get to be in a one-on-one fighter. Is that what they're called, or you know, kind of the of the Mortal Kombat ilk, yeah, right? Fighter. So fighters, so it becomes those for the last oh, two levels. Okay. That's really, cool. really exciting, and it, it gives you that feeling of being big, like you're in an ocean and you break a few buildings and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and so. That's awesome. And then Aladdin, I just, I played over and over as a kid, so that nostalgia was amazing. Um, Donkey Kong is a quality game. The graphics remain. Donkey Kong Country? Donkey Kong Country, yes. You can always verify that um, or be clear about that. But so that's, the graphics are great. The level design is awesome. And again, charm with all the bad guys. The music's so great. Yes. Each, Each. level or I mean honestly all the water levels have I believe the same music but it feels it's like good. it belongs like it belongs yeah I, Donkey Kong music might be the best music that I could if you were to lift it and just have like I'm working on you know some lesson plans just sure. play some Donkey Kong music yeah, in the background and I'm stuff. happy like it's mm-hmm. good stuff um, and then right now Metroid really has quickly shot up because it's it feels like a modern game created it wouldn't have surprised me if you said this is someone making a game today. Mm-hmm. Just we're gonna do a 16-bit era game, like like uh, uh, graphics. Yeah. That's what it feels like yeah. to me. Well, actually, you say that, but a couple of years ago, it was two or three years ago, I guess, some guy, just just a guy, just some guy, mm-hmm. made his own uh, remake of Metroid 2, which is originally a Game Boy game, the old Game Boy. Um, and it's called AM2R, another Metroid 2 remake, because it's one of the most remade okay. games. But anyway, he made it, and it looks like Super Metroid, and it plays like Super Metroid, and it's really good. I don't recall you even talking fun. about how good that was. Yeah, I, I downloaded it and played it and loved it. It was a really mm. great Metroid game. But, like, uh, but yeah, you can, like, because it was good, we can say that there's something valuable about the style of the original Super Nintendo 16 yes. game. You can make it in modern times, and it's still good. Yes. It's still a quality game. The gameplay is good. 
it looks good. Uh, the atmosphere is good. I love Super Metroid. Obviously, it's one of my favorite games. So, um, and then a game I have to mention is Zelda: Link to the Past. Oh um, yeah, solid, very solid game. And I play. I had that as a kid. It was way over my head. Way. I mean, it's almost funny to think about. Uh, so I'm wondering if uh, because it's you know a possibility that Nintendo makes a N64 classic mm-hmm. like if. You know, if they make that, and then in five years, some modder makes a modded all N64 the N64 with yeah. all of them, like, would you play? Would you buy that and play N64 yes. games, or do you find those intimidating? The, uh, they are. They are games? more intimidating. Well, okay. So I'm curious about my like. I resisted RPG games and just reading lots of text and sort of accumulation of items and turn-based, you know, like fighting systems and stuff like that. I just. I still haven't gotten there, and I'll see if I will. Like, I'm going to play a ton of games on this system. I invested in it. I'm enjoying myself. So are you going to play like Chrono Trigger or I'm, something? I'm going to start with Mario RPG. If it's miserable, then I will yeah try Chrono Trigger or uh, I, I never played World. Chrono Trigger. So. Chrono Trigger is considered like the best. Or I there's like a Final it. Fantasy on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, Final Fantasy right? three, which in America it's Final Fantasy three. It was Final Fantasy six um, in Japan, I think. Um, and then there's. Um, World Outer, I don't know. Uh, this quirky game. If you don't know about it, I'll. I'm you sorry. Earthbound. Just, Earthbound. That's actually what oh, I was. Yeah, I was like World. I did, I did play Earthbound. Yeah. Was it good? It's yeah, quirky it's and strange. It's, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole thing. And so that sounded appealing to me. Just something that. So I'm not big. In, if you start saying dragons and knights and wizards and stuff, I just yeah, I'm like, eh, okay. So Earthbound is like a guy in modern era and it's or modern ish and yeah, like, there's some psychic. And stuff. then weird stuff happens. It's I don't. Weird. It's so strange. Well, I don't. Game. Yeah, I don't mind. Well, that's what I, when you say too. strange and quirky, I'm, I, I'm my my ears perk up because I just think that like okay, I like this sort of when stuff. When I think and about so, it, it doesn't. And I and I know you and your taste. It doesn't. Seem like a game you would like, but if I, if it was you trying to test out your boundaries, it seems like it would be a good game for you to, to see test to boundaries. revisit mm-hmm. uh, an RPG game. To well, see if you I, like it. I just and it's not like you're not like accumulating a giant inventory and upping your stats and all that. It's it's not really like that. So that might cut out some of the elements that normally bore you. The reason I resisted RPG games in the past was I had a I was a kid and I had a narrow conceptualization of what games are and that was in RPG games I, I wanted to fight or jump or platform or whatever yeah. and so when I would see an RPG I just thought this is bad I can't the idea of turn based strategy stuff was a joke you're not going to allow me to fight I'm going to click an option and read some stats I mean that was just so ew to yeah. me that that and I, I understand that I carry that with me to this day, even though I'm a different person than I was then. I, you know, you carry these things with you of going, this is so bad. And then and then you, you honestly, you take that with like, that's when the graph, okay, if, if you're doing turn-based stuff, you better impress me with the graphics and 16-bit gaming is limited. And so I'm like, oh, really? Am I going to enjoy this at all? But I need to think of it as more like I'm playing a, a board game and... Yeah. Like then I if I restructure I just have to rethink gaming in that way and that's why Mario seems like a very comfortable way into well anything they just do things well so I'll yeah. take a silly like my understanding is RPG Super Mario RPG is a is that what it's called Super Mario RPG mm-hmm. it's just a it's relaxed and silly and fun it's made by the and, Final Fantasy people yeah well all of that so I am I'm down for expanding I think that you would like I mean it's not on the Super Nintendo but I think you would like 
Paper Mario games, that would be a good... You know, if you weren't That's RPG, just, you're saying, yeah. yeah. If you weren't starting with Super Mario RPG, that would be a good place to start. Well, it's on the N64. It's funny. You, well, I will make the jump to N64 if they do make that system, and I think they probably would. There's not quite as many excellent games on the N64 as on Super Nintendo. There's still a big library, a lot, and, and a, a lot are garbage. A lot tied to our childhood as well. Yes, that's, that's enough that's for, sure. for me to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and so... It'd be funny if I'm just always playing something about 20 years, yeah. 30, 20, 30 yeah. years behind. <laughs> so, Did you ever play um, uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer on the N64? Uh, not, no, I did not. They just, I saw they just released that recently, like a kind of a HD version or whatever. But it's the N64 game, and they released it everywhere, and I was very tempted to like buy it. Like on the it. Switch? Yeah, or on, on all everything. Or, yeah, uh, definitely on the Switch, and I was very tempted to buy it just because I, I didn't, I didn't play that game as a kid. I think I might have rented it once or something, um, but it was really good. There was a game I played, and you know I've heard you talk a lot about various um, Star Wars games, and so you have to tell me. But mm-hmm. it had to be some sort of Empire Strikes Back because I first of all on like, Super Nintendo, you, no, on N sixty four, where one of the levels I was in Shadows the Shadows of the Empire. Probably. That sounds right. That sounds right. So yeah. it was a lot of walking around, yeah, yeah. and then one of them was in the the snow mm-hmm. level, yeah, it and it was fun, so fun, and you had to you know trip up the the drone thing. Big, <laughs> sorry. Well, there was also um, Star Wars Rogue Squadron on the N sixty four as well. The first Rogue you Squadron. loved that, that right? Awesome. And that's what I did not but then, play. But on the GameCube, there was Star Wars Rogue Squadron two, and it was that's what I'm thinking. Not, of it was even better. It was so good, and it, it looked amazing. And, like, honestly, if graphics stayed at the GameCube level, right. like, I would be I would be okay with that. Well, N64 like, did have something right to be there. desire, but GameCube did sort of fill in those desires. It was yeah. just smoother, better, good. It, it was just good, good, very enough. good. You could convey uh, enough of your artistic vision on the screen to, to, to get across what you're going for. There was some Star Fox game you had that I recall, like, his tail, you could distinguish. Oh, yeah. Star Fox Adventures. Yeah, so you could distinguish fur, fur and yeah. and grass in the field blowing in the wind. And like once nice. you're at that point, like okay, yeah. Like yeah, I think like maybe like GameCube, I would be happy with or to please most people, maybe bump it up to like the Xbox 360, like the yeah. intro HD era. Yeah. Like seven, uh, like 720p, like just cut it, cut. Let's cut it right there for a couple decades. Until we get our hover TVs and our hover. <laughs> until Nintendo's. we make a substantive difference, yeah. because I don't. Because yeah. Modern games like it's just diminishing returns to me. I'd rather have all those in 64, 60 frames per second instead of yeah, whatever so it is, whatever the stand. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of times they don't even make thirty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just harder just, to play. It's just. That's yeah. another thing about the Super Nintendo is that most of the games have high frame rate. Yeah, and, I think a lot of them are sixty, right? And mm-hmm. it just, it just, they they play and they work and they they. They're awesome. Um, I mean, mechanic. There, there's weird things. So if you if you play like a beat 'em up, um, press it's a hack and slash, whatever. And so we, but you generally agree that B is the jump and Y is attack or something like that. And then a game will say, no, we're gonna make A the jump and a, just to be different. And that's stupid because we have sort of a, a memory uh, uh, we've internalized. But all yeah. this is sort of in the weeds. Um, so. Uh, what do you think about I don't know if you'll have much insight into this since you don't play a lot of modern games but what do you think about the change that has happened between what they call couch co-op you know when you play a multiplayer game when you both have your controllers plugged into the system you're sitting next to each other you're playing in person 
that's very rare today. In fact, a lot of consoles don't even allow. They don't bother with they it. Don't, you can't even play together with two controllers plugged in. It's all online, multiplayer. Um, could you potentially, if you had to spend the night party as a kid, then could you, could you, would you be playing online ne- next to yeah, each other? Yeah, <laughs> that's how you do conceivably, it. Conceivably, yeah, that that would be how you do it. Is you, you know, Funny. have two TVs and two systems, and you're both connected to your same internet connection playing. Um, what do you think about the uh, like? I don't know. What are your thoughts on the differences between the two? And well, because I have some opinions uh, on I mean, the matter. When you say that, my knee jerk. I don't have any experience. So I'm weighing on it, weighing in as an outsider, and that is that it's just reflecting the times, and I think the times are poor <laughs> in terms <laughs> of um, what does it mean to be social. And video games have always been sort of like a, you should go outside and like yeah. live the real world, yeah, right. like that. You, I mean, we know what that that sort of mantra, but. <laughs> but but the weirdness is um, the weirdness is if you're playing if you're playing online that's what's happening most of the time anyway so that they're, they're it's just it's a reflection of our current era more than it is but but so that's what it is it's just like what does it mean to be social there are less spend the night parties with your best right. friend yeah. because I don't if I'm a teenager and I get to play my video games with you well well into 1 a.m. on a weeknight or on the weekend, um, why would you kind of come over and hang out for 24 hours? Because honestly, like as a human, like there, if, you, if I have power to do what I want when I want, then I can plug in and hang out with Bennett for the times I want to play the video game. And then I want to like, you know, do my own thing and do this. So my relationship with you is fundamentally changed. You are there to be there when I want you there, and you're gone when I want you gone. <laughs> right, yeah. And so that's how I, our friendship is. <laughs> that, that's the problem, though, with the digital era is like mm-hmm. I want to engage or I don't want to engage, right. and I get that choice. Right. Whereas I sort of, as a kid, am saying, Bennett's going to come spend the night. And so that means like there might be times we have to, about conflict resolution, whatever, or deciding what we want to do next. Or I kind of wish he wasn't here because I want to do this and he yeah. doesn't. But like I have to deal with that. And you don't have to deal with that in the modern era. That It's, it's the same reason like people are getting their driver's licenses later. They oh. are uh, getting jobs. They're doing a lot of, they, they don't need to move out as soon. They're getting married later. You can look at everything is extended. Interesting. Adolescence has been extended in a large, in large part mm-hmm. because there's no desire. Yeah. And like a lot of people would say that adolescence begins earlier too mm-hmm. because you're exposed to, you know, everything, yes. everything a lot earlier and it's extended. What does that do to people when you have an adolescence that, I mean, you it might can be the majority of your life. Doubled, <laughs> yes, you know, it's doubled in length from what we experienced, and maybe we even experienced an extended one. But like, we did to some degree, to I some think. Degree, but now it's a whole other thing. Well, it changes your value system. For one, is like we crave independence and um, privacy. We're too fundamental. I would say American, but I would also just say human. We want to be independent. We want to get out of the home. But if you're already getting a taste of that independence and I'm hanging, if I'm hanging out with my girlfriend digitally as a 14 year old well into the night, um, I have no motivation to want to like leave home and be able to hang out with my girlfriend well into the night. Um, I know, I know human or in face to face and digital is different, but like kids make that differentiation less and less. Like you, like what, how much different is it really would be the question they would say Like what can't you do? I mean, so so yeah well that's that's kind of you know we took it to a a much farther and honestly more interesting place but 
you know, that's kind of where I was going with the couch co-op versus online multiplayer thing because, you know, I, I felt that change uh, because I used to enjoy playing together, you know, on the N64 playing Mario Party or Mario Kart, all sitting in the same room playing split screen, you know, and you have the four uh, the four corners of the screen and each person is playing. You had to earn it. You had to literally get people together, yeah. call them up on the phone, make sure like, they bring, had enough remote controller. controllers, yeah, maybe controller. that extender pack of yeah. con- that so you could play in four to eight or whatever it was. Yeah, you had yeah, to yeah. earn it more. And so it felt rewarding once you've earned it more. And then even, like, even into high school, um, I played a lot of Halo, the yeah. very first Halo yeah. game on the Xbox. Huge. And... Then you couldn't play online uh, for the first Halo. The Xbox Live wasn't this around wasn't yet. A thing. And so you had to get together and play split screen. And me and my friends, this was like in ninth grade for me, like we would carry our tube TVs, you know. <laughs> heavy all, TVs. Heavy TVs. Talk put, about earning putting it. Putting them in yeah. our cars. You know, we were. Uh, couldn't you get up to eight players if you did two TV, TVs yeah, yeah. four ways uh, yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that? You could do, uh, yeah, I think it was eight. I think you could do four on four. Because there were think, there were four jacks for an Xbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Definitely, I'm trying to think if you could do more. Definitely in later Halo games, you could do. You would need more. to. Why bring ultra, more TVs? Well, I mean, I'm saying you could definitely have four on four. I'm trying to think if you could do eight on eight. I don't think you could do eight on eight until later Halo games. Okay. Um, but four on four, you could. Am I right on that? Maybe you could. You could do bigger battles, man. Anyway. But anyway, it was so it was a long time ago. So I'm I'm blanking on the numbers, but it doesn't matter. The thing, the the point is like we would. Lug our giant tube TVs and our the Xboxes were giant too. Yes, lug them and the controllers. And the controls were giant. giant. <laughs> Everything was giant. We would lug and them heavy all together, and... and we would string the LAN cables around, and we would have two teams, and we would play capture the flag, and it was a blast to sit with each other. And you could screen cheat and you know look at the other corner. Of yeah, the but screen. that was that was but that's why bad, we had, that's right? Why we had two TVs eventually, you know. But like, it was it was a very. I mean, it was a very social thing. You're interacting and you're having a lot of fun together. And then, like, I, I think I have a almost experimental comparison because then Halo 2 came out and that's when Xbox Live started. And so everything moved to Xbox Live where you're playing online. Yeah. And so then you are playing with your headset and, you know, it's kind of the modern sure. online gaming yeah. experience. And it just, it changed. It was still fun and I still did it, but it was less fun and I did it less and it's not because the game was really any worse. Um, and, like, it was just, you're not in the room with your friends yeah. all having a good time. You're trying to talk on the headset, and you don't, you can't see what people are doing. You can't see their expressions and their reaction, and it just feels more foreign and less connected. And I think it boils down to something simple, too. Like, if you're in the room, and maybe you feel like quitting, but, like, there's pressure not to, and where else are you going to go? And are you, actually, are you actually going to invest in leaving this environment? And so you end up sticking around and playing another game, and then you have some great experiences. Online, you will leave because yeah. there's no, almost no cost leaving, and that's and that's the same thing I mean, that's why we have throwaway relationships, throwaway everything. Like, you can leave a relationship easily, a lot more easily. You can leave, you can leave anything and everything just easily, whereas, like, when, when you are face-to-face... Um, that's, a, that's an interesting thing because, you know, it kind of tells you that when, when you're in a virtual interaction... Let's see, how can I phrase this? When you're, when you're in a, 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 a real in-person interaction, you're almost in a different place than you are... 
when you're having the same sort of communication in a virtual space. So like even what our interaction right now, like we're both sitting at a table mm -hmm. having a conversation and it feels like a different place than when we have when we do this podcast, yeah. you know, virtually. And I think the same can be said when you're sitting in a room playing video games with your friend. It's maybe place isn't the right word because it implies spatial a spatial relationship, but it's definitely a different situation. Like even if you're sitting on the same couch with the same controller on the same TV, the fact that there are other people there with you makes it a different situation. And maybe there yeah. it is because you can't extract yourself. Yes, yeah, I think that's easily. a big one. And I think that's a big part of it, but. I have to deal with my consequences more. I might yeah. even argue with you differently. If I disagree with you, I'm more likely to be amicable or agreeable, or maybe that's not the right word, that's agreeable. Right, right. But, amicable. but, well, agreeable, because we were talking about it earlier. Oh, about, sure. Is, but like, like if, if I'm online, especially if I'm raised more on the digital space and I like am annoyed with you and I can go, screw you, Bennett, and then get offline, or like <laughs> leave, I can leave the relationship easier. That's like, true. Like, but, but, being in person, I have to think a little more carefully. Like like this, wow. I'm on a trip here. I cannot. If I were fed up with you, You're stuck with me. Like I'm stuck. So so but so so I have a vested interest in in problem solving through something. If yeah, I were to sure. have it, I know that's a little silly, but if I were to have that, right? And that but that's the whole thing about when you're a kid, like. Time is different when you're a kid. You know, 24 hours is a long time. If you were to, there are occasional times where it might be like, you're going to spend Friday and Saturday night. Like, you got the weekend and like, okay, well, we're probably going to either be bored or frustrated with each other at some point in that time. And like that, that sort of collaboration necessary to overcome the boredom or the yeah, friction is point. just huge. And, and all of, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The difference between face-to-face -face and digital is, is hugely because of the exit. I know there's different because if you can't see each other, there's, there's difference about... Yeah, you know, nonverbal communication, sure, and yeah. those are all not not. I mean, they are substantive differences, but it's all about like throwaway versus fix. Like you gotta fix it, and like you were in this situation versus I can throw it away, and I yeah. will if I am given that choice. Especially if I haven't experienced the other. Of course, I'm gonna throw it. Away. Why would I engage in something uncomfortable when I can engage in something comfortable? That's yeah, why like right. people are fat today. Most people are fat. Why would I go? run when I could sit on a comfortable couch in air-conditioned ro yeah, room right. and watch think, something fun and I eat delicious food. That's a profound point that given the choice, people will make the easy choice. We, and there's yes. nothing, I mean, that doesn't make you a bad person. It makes it, it of course, means, you're that way. That you have to take extra care in planning your environment so that the easy choice isn't as easy as it might otherwise be. Yes. And like in this age of convenience, we don't and also, many people aren't planners, you know, through no fault of their own. They don't necessarily have the foresight to arrange their life in a way that encourages them, them to make the more difficult choices. And so, you get pummeled with easy choices. Yes. It's always easy choices. Yes. And it's, it's so easy to just not put in as much effort as you could. Mm -hmm. Like we have, I mean, we have such shared efficiency. Everything is efficient. Like. I mean, we have systems that like take the waste that drops out of our butts and like, <laughs> sends it through pipes away from us. Waste alone, even even our garbage right now. I don't yeah. think about my garbage because I take it out and it it goes away. Like I can just literally, oh man, I gotta take out the trash. Is how I think of how annoying it is oh, that I have what to. A chore. I have to 
remove it by literally taking it away and it goes away. I have to remove this liner that someone made for me that conveniently wraps up my garbage (laughs) and has a built-in tie that ties it together so it doesn't (laughs) spill. And I have to take that to the big container that someone's job some mystery person comes takes it to some mystery place place where it just doesn't bother whereas if i were in the woods i'd have to and living there like off the off the the fat of the land off off the the grid of the the land land. (laughs) off the grid of the land off the land grid off the land grid i would i would have to start going where am i gonna i can keep pooping in this hole Do you know what I mean? Like, I, you have what, to, I have to really consider. And like, I finished a meal, and there's some bones. Like, oh, do I throw them in the poop pit? Or like, I have to, I have to consider <laughs> everything I do and how far. Like, I mean, that was anyway. Just like we we have it easy. We have it we so have it easy. easy. We have to, we have it too easy, and so we start to go crazy. Well, I don't. I we, think that there's a distinction. I mean, we have it too. I don't know if I would say we have it too easy. But we have it easy, and we aren't self-disciplined enough to uh, to keep ourselves from you know wasting away or 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 getting gigantic, depending on what it is here, whatever <laughs> but, but, it is you're doing. But people's perseverance and grit and and willpower, it's so easy to let it atrophy. That's a good word for it, atrophy, because you're just you're able to take the easy way out. I, I think the. You can say, "Is life too easy?" and look at the divorce rate. And as as a like, we we needed the the dependency on a relationship to sort of like mm-hmm. tag team life. And as it got easier, you don't actually need it. And so then we're together and just go, "Oh, this is because a relationship's difficult. You got to think of another person, and you lose any romantic ideals of like like it's all going to be perfect. So yeah, when they're sure. not perfect." When they're not perfect and you're annoyed and, and you can exit, you do exit. And yeah, if, the, if there aren't morals and values attached to it. I so wonder, so the divorce rate skyrocketing is, I think, directly correlated with the ease of our lives currently. Here's an interesting question. Like you kind of touched on in the modern, you know, social media digital age, it's easy to just end interactions mm-hmm. definitely and even relationships it's easy to just block someone yep. and now now you do not have to have a relationship with that person you can block them on right. all your various avenues i wonder if the ease of excising someone from your life digitally influences people to more readily excise people from their life in person you know like I, yeah i wonder if there's any sort of influence there i'm gonna say yes i don't think you can extract if you're this is how relation we like if we catalog it in our brain is this is how i operate within relationships and obviously there's difference between romantic relationships and and friendships but i still think that that it still holds true of like how do i interact with another human being is sort of a big picture that's just yeah you start to frame that operate within that framework so yeah i do i think you just when the ability to exit is so pervasive, then, I mean, that's why I keep saying look at the divorce rates yeah. to see that. Ease of life, ease of exit. That, that When you say ease of life, it is ease of exit, right? Like, oh, it's hot outside. Ease of exit is we have air conditioning. Yeah. Our e- so discomforts are there. Ease of exit of discomfort. Right. And so you can you don't, so relate. So, so marriage. You don't have to learn how to cope, but it's. You have to learn, or you, we have learned how to escape or avoid. Yes, escape and avoidance is easier than coping, and so therefore we just do that instead. And so it applies to some of the more the, the most important aspects of our lives, like you know the most intimate relationships we have, huh. marriage and that sort of thing, and friendship, deep friendships anyway. Yeah. So 
Yeah. All right. Well, I think I'm done talking. Yeah, me to too. You, I think so, so too. Think gonna, Let's just not make this bl- one a big one. We have we have our awkward goodbyes, but I'm gonna block you. Yeah, okay. now, yeah. And our relationship is done. All right. That's okay. But with wait, me. actually, you're here. Oh so... God! I guess we got to work this out. Ugh. Freaking a! <sighs> All right. Well, I guess we'll continue talking after this, but but less. You know. That was fun. I like live podcasts. I do too. Why don't you come back in a couple weeks? Okay, just every couple weeks we just every go. Every couple weeks, yeah. yeah, and we'll do it. All right, well, I'm going to use the restroom. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Restroom. <laughs>